0: Following is a repeat show that was previously broadcast on Unity FM. Alaikum. Welcome back, parents. Welcome back to Parenting Hour. You're tuned in to Unity FM ninety three point five here in Birmingham and the West Midlands, stretching from one side of the West Midlands from Sully Hall right over to Sanwell and up and down north and south, indeed. And welcome to all our listeners that are tuned in in Milton Keynes and Luton as well. Um, this show of course is going to be repeated on Sunday so um, I hope that if you're not tuned in today that you that other people will tune in on Sunday and listen to it and pick up information to pass on as we often say here on the show, it's not about you listening in for yourself but passing that on, information on to your sister, to your cousin to your auntie to, to your brother to pass on as well, so it's all of us we all need to pass on information oh. indeed and You know, the very famous saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, actually, it takes a community of us all, professionals and people like yourself to really come together and really look and think, how can we help each other in raising that child? If you were tuned into us before the break we had some wonderful discussions with our experts here we we, we have two wonderful rachels here both of them psychologists both of them expert in infant mental health and we were talking with one of our guests that rang in about some of the issues around our communities and play was something that was mentioned and i just want to come back to that a bit about play and the importance of play because we do promote play a lot in our programs and we actually show parents how to play a lot and in this time of COVID parents may think they need the toys and they may need these instruments and things are breaking down and they're not able to get to the shops and that their children are not developing because they're not able to get the up-to-date toys. What do you think hmm. both experts here what do you think of that?
1: Well and we're coming up to to Christmas and things as well for if, if that's what you celebrate but you know it's a time when there's a lot of uh, toys being sold in the shops and I think yes we were just talking in the break with each other and we very much agreed that as far as play is concerned what children really enjoy is that contact with an adult especially infants infants aren't actually so interested in toys you might have some you know rattles and noisy music toys and all sorts of things but actually what babies really like is looking at us our faces we are the most interesting thing to them. they're fascinated by the way our mouths move when we speak by our eyes and our eyebrows and they will imitate us even a tiny newborn baby can imitate a parent sticking their tongue out babies are born ready to interact with us that's absolutely what they want to do they look for human faces and they latch onto it those extraordinary gazes that newborn and early infants give us long long gazes so playing is actually just being with and interacting with with a baby it can be just following whatever the baby is doing the baby's eyes open wide and yours open wide and then they might Make a little sound and you make a sound and it's that playful interaction together. And as an infant gets a little bit older and becomes a, you know, a, a young child who might well be interested in, um, in various toys and things, just being with them and seeing what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. So this idea of kind of watching and waiting, wondering what a baby or the small child might be interested in what are they going to do next? Rather than maybe telling them what to do or trying to guide them to do something. But just waiting to see. Because actually, again, one of the things that we've really learned from research over um, the last few decades is that it's infant-led or child-led play, where the child does something, has an idea, has a thought, tries something out, and that the adult shows their interest. In that that's what helps children learn more than being told actually
0: some really wonderful advice there wonderful advice there Rachel do you have anything to add to that about how we can um, develop that play I was thinking about the experience of
2: being attended to so a child of any age if they feel that their parent or caregiver whoever that is is really focusing on them that is such a sort of wonderful experience for the child. So it may be just looking at something together. It may be, I was thinking about the importance of music and song, especially in, in sort of some families and some cultures, that is really sort of um, a wonderful way that parents and children can interact together. So singing with your child, singing to your child, playing music, watching how your child responds, and sort of noticing that. You know, does your child kind of does their face light up when certain toys come out or certain films come on and and learning from that and again going back to the idea of being curious um I was also thinking about what Rachel said about it's not necessarily about maybe having all all new toys or all the kind of latest gadgets but actually there's really simple ideas that can be made at home they don't cost a lot and babies will really and and older children will really enjoy the experience of, of playing with them and important to remember that parents can be really great playmates for children of all ages and it's about kind of setting aside that time and it doesn't have to be hours on end it could be 15 minutes in the evening where you just spend some one-to-one time together and it may be that you gradually build up playing is something that some adults some parents may not find a very easy thing it may be quite new to them so being playful is something that you may have to sort of develop and grow over time so it's sort of learning about it and giving it a go and seeing how you get on I think yes and I I think it's really important not to think there's some
1: kind of right way of doing it and there really isn't it isn't about being an expert in play and Rachel as you were saying I mean for many well, certainly, many, most of the parents I suppose I've, I've worked with and supported probably weren't played with as children themselves. So they're not quite sure what you do. And, and actually, I think what's really important is to say, well, you don't have to do very much. Just actually see what your baby or child wants to do and go with that because you might be quite surprised with what they want to do. They might have, there might be a little, um, you know, Lego brick or Duplo brick or something, but they might not want to build it up into a tower. They might want to put it on your head or on their own head or something like that. And who knows what might develop? So that, um, again, that word kind of curiosity, I think is being curious about what the um, infant or young child might actually want to do with this, whatever it is. I mean, isn't it interesting how much children like cardboard boxes? In our street during COVID, there was a lot of deliveries of things. So there tended to be cardboard boxes around. And what we would do is if we got a big cardboard box, we'd tell a neighbour who had a small child so that they could have the box. And that would become a ship or a a boat, a a plane or something for that child for the next few days. And, you know, the most simple things can really... Um, inspire a child's imagination, even a very little one.
0: <laughs> it is amazing, isn't it? That, as you say, you know, the pots and pans and the cupboards, the wooden spoon and the, the saucepan makes great noises and sounds. You know, we, we don't need those expensive toys that often do break. We we can use what we have, and still, I find sometimes um, parents find it difficult to to be able to do that, to be able to be have that creativity. That maybe they've never had it themselves, or they've yes. never had time to to draw or to make that boat or make that ship or spaceship or whatever it is, mm. and, you know. Or or else, as Maria mentioned too, but the house needing to be clean and tidy. I know during COVID we don't have visitors now, so maybe that's not as as important now. Hopefully, and that parents are getting more time to play with their children because of that.
1: Yes. Yes, well, I hadn't I hadn't thought of that, but absolutely, it relieves you of some of that, doesn't it, if, if you're feeling you have to keep your house looking so nice all the time. Yeah, so COVID's thrown up some interesting things, hasn't it, in many ways. I think it's been, for, for, some, for some families, it's been a time when they've been together and kind of perhaps found their way with each other a bit more, got to know each other a bit more. Um, but for other families, it's been a time of huge pressure and difficulty. And perhaps, you know, thrown back on each other in a way that usually they're not. And it's actually been quite difficult. And I think it's it's important to recognise that, you know, for all of us, kind of people going out to work or going, you know, going and seeing um, friends or going to the park and meeting up with other people is really important. And I think that's been quite a struggle, Mm. the social isolation that people have experienced it's mm-hmm. been tough on top of everything else
0: and it can be actually tough but I'm just thinking there as you were talking about a newborn baby in the house that maybe is crying and needs attention and there's some sleep deprivation there from both parents maybe living with extended family and they don't want to disturb the elders in the house and they're trying to keep baby quiet and then dad is working from home as well and it it can cause a bit of tension there you know, so all of this where we would normally be outside and maybe outside the park and going for more walks, which we still can do, but maybe it's it's that uncertainty and, and, and in some cultures parents do stay at home, mum do stay in for about forty days as well to to have that rest So that maybe have an added complication to the whole situation. So it is quite a hard time for, for a lot of families there.
1: Yes, Rachel, have you been working you've been working through COVID, haven't you, with families with yeah, there's mental health problems,
2: yeah. Yes, yes, and I was thinking about um, sort of isolation and the, the, the lacking support, really, both in terms of kind of professional support, but also that wider family support, that ability to, you know, it might be popping to somebody, a friend or family down the road or having a health visitor come and visit. And those, you know, all of those support networks have been reduced, unfortunately, during COVID. And I think that's been really difficult, especially, I think, for those mums maybe who are first time mums and aren't sure kind of what's to be expected or how we manage these these difficulties. And I think for older children, maybe kind of more like toddler age or three-, four-year-olds, there's been, um, I think, some regressions. I think parents have been quite puzzled about, well, why are they doing this again? Or why is my child behaving in this way? And I think what we need to remember is that the children will be picking up on all the changes that are going on. So suddenly, you know, it might be dads working from home or we're not seeing grandma who lives down the road or I'm not going to see to my Mm. nursery or whatever it might be. And all of those changes have had an impact on us all as adults, but also our children as well. And I think that's something really important to hold in mind that that they're tolerating and getting used to different ways of being just as we are.
0: And do you think in uh, both of you in in this period of time that they're picking up on the anxieties because there seems to be kind of a low level anxiety for all of us because of of what's happening and especially with our our communities our ethnic minority communities which that have suffered quite a lot I mean we've had in our workplace some people's relatives of people that have passed we have staff that have passed away so we've we've all suffered uh, with this and there's a lot of people we know and people i know at the moment actually very ill mm-hmm. in, in hospital at the moment so uh, you know there's there's that continuous anxiety that we might pick it up at, at any stage and might pass it on as well if we've got elderly elderly parents or, or in-laws living with us so there's that underlying there how can we help parents that are listening to us this evening that have a young child either a baby or or a toddler um to so that they're not picking up on these anxieties Uh, what what can we do and it's
1: very difficult isn't it and I think it's one of the things that we often underestimate as adults is how actually how much babies and small children do pick up on how we are you know, we often think we can hide things from them but I don't know that we can actually babies particularly are very sensitive to the kind of emotional environment you know if, if a parent is upset or very worried uh, you know the baby will kind of sense that they won't understand it of course they won't have any idea what's going on but they will feel it and a young child as well so you know children do feel things and then it's how we can help them with that I think trying to pretend that it's all all right and then they're not noticing anything and it's okay is probably not that helpful I mean especially if if, you know if there have been deaths or this illness in the family really it's most helpful to find a way of saying something that's to a child that's sort of at the right level for their age but even a little one even a toddler you know to know that granny's very ill she's very poorly Yes. We hope she gets better. So something about a, a hope is always helpful but not pretending that there's nothing wrong because they know there's something wrong. And if they don't know it's granny that you're worried they might think that there's something else going on that's you know worse is, is mummy dying is is daddy you know. So children do worry and I think it can it's very helpful to be Kind of honest in a in an appropriate way, not too much information, but also not trying to pretend that it's all okay. And for for a baby, obviously, babies are not understanding what's going on, but they are picking things up. So I suppose it's just trying to be aware if the baby is crying more than usual that it may be because there are there's quite a bit of stress in the family and understanding that. I guess Rachel, when you said you've seen regression, you mean you've seen children going back from things that they could do, maybe like being toileted, suddenly not being able to. Yes. Yes. And wetting the bed or whatever.
2: And and sort of trying to think about that maybe as a response to family stress? Yeah, sort of changes in behaviour. And we know that often children can express their feelings in a very kind of physical or behavioural way. So we may see, oh gosh, you know, um I don't know my son used to be able to tolerate me going out the room and leaving him in the room on his own for a minute whilst I popped to make a cup of tea. And now he's getting really upset. He's holding onto my leg. He's crying when I leave the room. So we may wonder, well, what's that about? And I guess I was just thinking when you were talking, Rachel, about helping our children to name their feelings, putting words to the feelings, you know, wondering. I wonder if you feel quite worried because there's been so many changes lately or I think you might be wondering why daddy's working from home or why we haven't been able to see auntie so and so for however long so kind of Mm -hmm. putting it out there and i guess building on what you said there rachel about trying to be sort of honest actually not pretending that those changes haven't happened but they are happening and we're thinking about them and Mm -hmm. and that can be really containing for a child kind of reassuring to make them feel safe that Mummy and daddy or whoever it is caregiver has noticed That there's something different going on and that they can think about it together. So it's being alongside your child during those changes?
1: Yes, yes, I think so. And I think often parents, you know, none of us wants our child to be worried or upset, do we? And so, you know, often parents will try very hard to protect the child, you know, to to not say anything, to, to try and pretend that things are all all right. But actually, it doesn't really work. I think, you know, as I said, because a child they get they get to know some things up, and actually, little children will imagine all sorts of things, and they might be imagining something worse
0: than actually happening.
1: You know, it might be that, that Daddy's working from home, but does that mean Daddy hasn't got a job and then we'll have no money and we'll have no food? No, Daddy's working from home and he's being paid to work from home. Do you know what I mean? So it's sort of somehow being curious about what the child might be worried about? You no. Know, are you thinking, are you worried? Are you all right? You worried about something happening? You know, just wondering with the child and, and opening up, being curious and opening up a conversation. Little children, even very small ones, be quite amazing about what they come up with if they think there's a space for that. They think they've got an adult who's interested.
0: That's wonderful, actually, what you're just saying, but how can... Parents, I, I find that parents are, find it hard sometimes to be curious enough to open, or to find it difficult to open up that question. They mm. don't know where to start, and they they prefer not to say anything and kind of yes. stay quiet rather than that not, not started at all. Yes, I guess it has to. It has to start with what the um,
1: infant or child is showing us, really. So if they they're crying a lot. Like your example there, Rachel, of a, of a child who was separating okay, but then suddenly becomes very clingy and holds on, you know, separating at nursery, holds on and cries and things. Then just kind of noticing that and gently talking to them, that they're, they're crying a lot more, perhaps they're feeling more upset, a bit worried now, not sure, and reassuring, always kind of reassuring, for instance, if it's like a separation like that, that you're coming back. And not thinking, oh, what's happened to my child? She's suddenly crying a lot. She's too clingy. I need to make her go into nursery. She's got to learn how to do it. Actually, instead thinking, hmm, wonder what it is that's really made her upset now. wonder why she's crying so much. What is she afraid of? I think that's a good question to think. What might be going on in the child's mind? What might they be afraid of or worried about that might be making them either clingy or have bigger outbursts, tantrums, or not want to, to eat their food. You know, whatever it is, children, small children express it through these kind of more obvious behaviours. Um, it's sort of, again, being curious about wondering about why, maybe. And, and they can often tell us, they can tell us a lot more than we think.
2: And play can be another really helpful tool that if we, we're playing with our children, slightly probably kind of older children, sometimes things come out in play and we see these themes emerging and then we can talk about them. Gosh, you know, the teddy bear seems to be wanting to stay very close to its mummy or you know, whatever it might be, and we can then build upon that. So
0: play is often a really lovely
2: way of getting ourselves into a space where we can talk
0: and explore. It is indeed, and so much can come out of play. And I, I'm, I'm loving the tips that are coming through here with both of you indeed. And we we talk about some of the tips. It was talking about play and having that play child-led and then using a, a story time and then being honest and open for, for families that uh, what's going on, uh, but approach it with, in a child development mental way. Name the feeling you mentioned and handhold the child it was like. You know, to, to get so that you're there and you're you're curious and you're going to ask the appropriate questions at the appropriate time. So this is some of the, the tips that I looked at, at or I've written down here. And not to be afraid. You actually there I've I have kind of drawn a little picture of two eyes. So not to be afraid, just observe and look and not be afraid. Yes. Yes. And there's
1: a lot of anxiety, isn't there, about Doing the right thing, being a good parent, not wanting, you know, wanting to protect your child, not wanting anything bad to happen to them, wanting to make everything okay. And I think actually with the expectations that we have on ourselves are just far too great. And I think as professionals, I, I always feel that's quite a you know, something that we really need to be doing is to helping people to accept where they are and where their child is. And to not try to be doing so much more, or making their child do so much more, go with where things are, and being there together, getting to know each other, finding your way. And have that, you know, kind of
0: slowing, slowing it down. I think really. Wonderful. And I know we have this new website that we were going to mention. Maybe that's where professionals that are listening in this evening can go and get some support more than the parents, although the parents may la- enjoy looking around it as well. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yes. it? Yes. So, so this is um,
1: the Association for Infant Mental Health. So we're talking about infant mental health today. And there is a, an association in uh, the UK that is for it is for professionals it is for practitioners who are supporting parents and there's lots of information on there um there's lots of resources around books and um videos and articles things that that practitioners can read to help them understand more of what we're talking about this evening so that they can support you better and um we're you know we're really hoping that people will um go and have a look at this it is um the association for infant mental health a-i-m-h and uh, if you google that you would come up with a with the website aim.uk um and it it is for for people to become members as practitioners and then have access to resources they can use with parents and also link up with each other so kathleen uh is, is brilliant she's a a a lead for this for your area um in the west midlands and so she is um seeking to bring together practitioners in this field and all learn from each other and share resources so we have these things called hubs and there's a west midlands hub and we've got a bristol hub and this is for practitioners to get together and learn from each other so you know as parents if you're you know you're you're you hope we hope that your health visitors, your midwives, your um, early years practitioners will perhaps be um, accessing this uh, information and support, local local support,
0: with their hub. Wonderful! It looks lovely. I recommend the parents to have a look at it. Professionals, if you uh, are driving home and not able to to uh, write down the name, it's very easy. The Association of Infant Mental Health. AIMH do open it up and have a look at it. It's full of wonderful information. Wonderful website, actually. I'm, I I haven't been as impressed by a website as I have been by this one. So, uh, w- and I believe you were part of the development of it, Rachel. So, um, well, okay. yes, but Kathleen, I do need to say that
1: it, uh, you know it really is. It is a membership organisation for professionals. So I'm I'm afraid, that as parents, you probably won't be able to see very much. But and practitioners need to join. But for for parents, there are what we're not trying to do is provide lots of resources directly for parents because there are really good websites for that, like the Parent Infant Foundation, PIF. So Parent Infant Foundation is definitely worth looking at. So there are lots of websites out there with really good resource parents, things to look up. And Rachel, I don't know if you can mention any others that you...
2: I haven't got any websites in mind particularly, but what I was thinking is just, I suppose, just to kind of highlight the importance of parents reaching out and speaking to those professionals who are involved because there's always somebody who can signpost if they can't answer the question themselves there's so many sort of resources and services available so speaking to your midwife speaking to your health visitor speaking to teachers at school and if Mm. you've got queries if you've got worries about your your child or you want to kind of learn some new skills there's there's lots of different groups and trainings and resources available so I I suppose it's as you said earlier Rachel I think not being afraid to ask for help and knowing that there are lots of very willing people um with lots of skills to offer
1: Yes, and I I would just like to add, I think the Parent Infant Foundation is excellent, but also there's a a website called Zero to Three in
0: the United States, and they have so many resources for parents. And Um, you're going to have to leave it there this evening. There's a lot of resources out there, a lot of help there available.